Vince McMahon is going to love this. It did not go over well then. I hate it. I hate it so much. You have three points, sir. I always like to chime in. Thank you for asking. It involved pee. Vince is probably laughing his tits off. Break glass in case of pee joke. He was brought in to the WWE to be shit on. Drug-free urine. (laughs) It is terrible. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the best pro wrestling game show in the world. It is the One Fall Show, another episode of the One Fall Show with your host, Chuck Bean, and our usual suspects of a panel. This week, we will be uh, joined by Shawnee Constant. Hey, everybody. Also, we are joined by Mr. Justin Valentine. Hello, hello. And of course, the five-time One Fall Show champion, Nate Bender. I will have you know, that is the One Fall Show Undisputed Intermetaversal Podcast Champion, sir. Question, did you write that down or did you remember that for the last two weeks? I have remembered it every time I've said it out loud. (laughs) That's impressive. that's, That's fairly amazing. All right. He's getting it over. And we're looking to uh, get over another week of news and notes from the world of wrestling. We like to do things a little bit differently here. Uh, Instead of just talking about what is going on in the world of wrestling, we put it together as a game show, which means that I will be asking my three panelists questions and uh, scoring them points based on whether or not they know the answers to these. And then we'll also be talking about what's going on in the world of wrestling. Nate Sings, as you are the five-time champ and the one who uh, won our previous game, I will let you start. You've got uh, our usual around the ring, Wednesday Night War, and Smack Raw categories. Where are we going? Um, let's go ahead and start with Smack Raw. Hey, before you start the questions, Chuck, let me, uh, Justin, we've got to take champions advantage away from Nate this week. I think that's a damn good idea. I like it. Interesting shenanigans afoot. Be interesting to see where this is headed. Nate, for uh, our first question, a few weeks ago, we saw AJ Styles move to the SmackDown brand in a trade. And this week we found out who the other part of that trade was for the Raw brand. Who was it? That would be uh, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. That is the correct answer. Uh, Besides Drew and Dolph Ziggler, are there any potential matchups that you guys can think of that you look forward to seeing on Monday Night Raw with these guys? Or are they pretty much past their best by date? I don't know. I'd just like to see Bobby Roode back on my television. It's been like, what, eight months since he's been on TV? I'm a big fan of Bobby Roode. I think he has, he's an incredible talent. Dolph's always been good, but like overexposure, man. I wish they would flip-flop you know, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler and let Dolph sit at home and, you know, just let Roode kind of come back to the roster. I will say, however, though, that I am really interested to see the uh, Dolph-Drew pairing. I think that's going to be a really good rivalry. Yeah, I think it's the perfect rivalry to push Drew into whatever title defense he'll have at SummerSlam. I think for the long term, though, with Ziggler and Rude, they need to use those two to pump up that tag team division. In both tag team divisions, but especially Raw. I missed that one week when Robert Rude came out with that really gnarly, gross mustache. 
and just <laughs> fully embrace the, you know, angry gym teacher role. Uh, besides that, I, I'm not a huge fan of either of these guys. <laughs> yeah, the best thing about Robert Root is his entrance, unfortunately. Very true. And I, I feel like there was other references people went to with that mustache other than a gym teacher. I appreciate you keeping it PG. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nate on the board with one point. We move ahead to our second question in the Smack Draw category. This week saw some shakeups in the women's title picture on both Raw and SmackDown. What are the title matches announced this week for the Extreme Rules Horror Show? You will get uh, two points per one you can name. Okay. I, I mean, I know that uh, one of them is uh, Nikki Cross and Sasha Banks. No. Uh, no? No. Oh. Out of the four people that are, are in those matches, you got at least two of them right. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, shit. I, I don't remember. All right. Well, let's uh, let's throw the uh, let's throw the question to Sean. Do you need me to ask uh, to state the question again? No, I either know it or I don't. Um, is it Nikki Cross and Bailey and Asuka facing um, uh, Bailey's partner there, uh, uh, Sasha Banks? That That is correct. So that's four points for you right out the gate, getting yourself on the board. Um, it's cool. Where's Eric? Four points? Where, yeah. What? Where's Eric when we need her, damn it? <laughs> yeah, where's this four points nonsense? It's two points in answer. Yeah, he's going back to week one rules. This is why I never should have been removed from the question writing committee. This is nonsense. That's a two-point question, sir. Uh, what do we think about Charlotte being on the shelf for a few weeks over on Raw? And do we think that uh, these unlikely contenders for the titles stand a chance of winning whatsoever? I know we've been saying less Charlotte. Obviously, I never wanted anyone to get hurt. But they need to take this time to start building the rest of that women's division and proving that, hey, we have other girls here other than Charlotte Flair. Uh, so I think that's a critical time. As for either of them winning, this rivalry is going to Bailey Sasha Banks for the title at SummerSlam. The only one that has a chance is Sasha. If they want to get both of those titles involved with Sasha and Bailey, Nikki Cross doesn't stand a chance, though. No, Nikki Cross is going to get is is definitely not getting anywhere close to any belt anytime soon. You've also got Alexa Bliss somewhere in there that I think is a top talent and absolutely can uh, probably stand another title run. Here's the thing. I think that you've got a couple of very well set archetypes for the characters that you have. I think you need a little bit of fresh talent. And with Tessa Blanchard coming off of impact, I got to think that WWE, despite her having heat in the locker room, WWE should look very, very closely at Tessa Blanchard as a, you know, like just a runaway beast of a heel. Certainly her real life exploits would lead her to uh, get that heel heat from the crowd. Uh, regardless of whether it's the locker room crowd or the general public, I don't. Are are we not at a point yet where people are untouchable? Are we are we already over the whole uh, we're going to clean up the industry thing? I I don't have the answer to that. You know, I certainly can't speak on behalf of the entire wrestling universe, but uh, I'm not a fan of Tessa Blanchard. 
Well, I'm sad to hear that nobody thinks Nikki Cross stands a chance. I would love to see Nikki Cross with a SmackDown title and her best friend, uh, Alexa Bliss, almost like a Sasha Bailey thing in the background. And we just wait for uh, for Alexa to turn on poor Nikki. But let's move on to uh, the third question in this round. Sean, you won. Uh, you, you got the last question. So you get first crack at this one. Reports this week of a new outbreak at the WWE Performance Center of COVID-19 positive tests. Name anybody that we know of that has tested positive for COVID this week. Uh, Renee Young. That's correct. I know. uh, Who is the announcer? She got it for the second time. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take this question and let's move it from person to person until we uh, get some wrong answers. Justin, name anybody other than Renee Young. Uh, Kayla Braxton. That's correct as well. How about you, Nate? Nah, you took the two that I know. Okay. The other two in that uh, in that equation are Jamie Noble and uh, Adam Pierce. Obviously, oh, I did know about Adam Pierce. Obviously, this COVID nineteen thing is is very serious throughout the world, much less in the wrestling community. Where do we all think WWE should go from here? Vince McMahon saying he wants to do the first events with fans. He is hard pressed to do that. Uh, do we think maybe WWE should take an off season? He's going to get somebody killed. Like it hasn't happened under his watch, but he is cavalier enough to keep pushing this despite the fact that more people on his roster and on his payroll are coming up sick. And I mean, we just hit the, what the largest day one cases since this thing started. I think they need to pump the brakes. They need to go back to no audience or only letting developmental talent into the audience. This is this is bad. This is a big mistake, and they they really need to to really shore themselves up uh, if if they don't want to be negligent. The problem is, is they took a step back when it comes to testing. They need to be more serious about everything that they need to do to pull this off. You can't just stop testing. You can't do testing once every so often. You need to do testing every single time you're about to shoot i don't know how what their exact schedule is for that but every single time before you shoot no matter what put face mask on those guys in the crowd they didn't have it for a while on smackdown we saw it so and just stop letting off on that that's going to be the way of the world for a little bit now even if we do have fans before the end of the year before the end of the summer whatever vince wants and that's never going to happen if they keep taking step backs. They keep saying, okay, well, we're going to test. We're going to take this serious. And then after two, three weeks, they stop taking it serious. And then all of a sudden, five people that were just on TV have it. So they just they can't step back on this. No, and unfortunately, just the, the leadership of the country is such that we've decided that we're going to pretend this isn't an issue. And so, you know, why would a corporation that's publicly traded and wants to save every penny it can act like it's anything more of an issue than uh, they're being directed to. I, it's a nightmare and it's a disaster. I don't know what WWE does, but I agree with Nate until someone dies. Uh, I, I don't know what they do. Um, you know, we had Triple H just a few weeks ago uh, explaining what their protocol was and, and punctuating it with the phrase, but what's the most important thing is that it's working. Well, it, it wasn't working. It didn't work. And, uh, You know, the rest of 2020 is going to continue to be a nightmare with this fucking thing. And WWE isn't helping. They're not really hurting, but 
it's not helping. I would say they're they're hurting though because you see other companies, you know, other sports, golf. They're they're going on they have positive tests, but they're constantly testing. And when someone tests positive, they get rid of them to quarantine and they continue on with their event. Baseball, basketball, hockey, they're going to do the exact same thing. Positive tests, they're it's not stopping them. The reason why positive tests are scaring WWE is because they're not taking it seriously. So now you're worried about who they're actually infecting. And this could possibly impact far more than just WWE. Obviously, Renee Young's husband, John Moxley, has had to uh, quarantine and get tested. He's tested negative, but initially Renee Young tested negative as well. So, you know, there's there's real concerns that it it ends up affecting more promotions than just WWE because of the way that everyone is sort of interconnected these days. All right, let's move on. At the end of round one, we've got Sean in the lead with seven points. Justin's got three points, and Nate yet to get on the board. So, Nate, you got to uh, choose. I got one point. I got the. F- You're not even tallying points correctly. <laughs> God. I, I had it, but then I took it away. Yet to get on. What took it away? <laughs> and you didn't even tell me that this is nonsense. Erica, we need you. If you're listening. All right, Nate. Well, you are still, uh, you have the lowest point total, so you get to choose the next round. Uh, let's go to the Wednesday Night War. Sounds good. What's the name of the horror slash Rob Zombie influence wrestler that defeated Anna Jay last week on AEW Dynamite? Uh, was that Abaddon? Correct. Is that how you say it? That is how you say it. Because I've heard Abaddon and I've heard Abaddon. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Who says a bad in? I was someone on a YouTube show or podcast that I listen to. Anyway. All right. Yeah. So she's crazy. <laughs> Y'all know I like my spooky Rosemary. So if I can't get her off, off of impact in AEW, I'm all for this character. Well, okay. So she comes from Rocky Mountain Pro, which I need to tell you guys is where Vince Russo has hung his hat lately. So my expectation and and my um, uh, my hopes are not necessarily high uh, for this young lady. Um, she definitely has a look about her, though. She seems like a fun character. You know, they've already done some stuff in AEW with the, uh, oh, uh, who's the character who's from, uh, from another galaxy? Uh, oh, uh, Chris Statlander. Chris Statlander, yes, who's injured right now. But, uh, you know, I, I like the fun stuff. I like the extracurriculars of AEW much more so than my panel mates here. So I think that she has some promise, and I'm looking forward to seeing what she brings in terms of bigger storylines. All right, we're on to question two, and uh, Nate got the first one right, so he gets to uh, gets first crack at this one. In a scramble of booking, we know AEW's Fighter Fest starts next week. What Dusty Rhodes creation are the next two weeks of NXT going to be named after? Oh my God! Um, is it Great American Bash? It is the Great American Bash. It, wait, there. I, that is the worst promoed thing in NXT history because I had no idea. And I watched NXT yesterday. So way to go on that one. That was just pure luck. Yeah, they uh, they announced, I believe, over the Internet that uh, 
they will also be doing a two-week event and calling it the Great American Bash, obviously to uh, kind of stick it to Cody and Fighter Fest. Uh, but they got a strong card going into it. What do you guys think about this? I think that that's pretty petty. I mean, obviously, this is the first I'm hearing about it, but like Fighter Fest is some, you know, they had to change the scope of it, obviously, because, you know, they, they couldn't do what they were uh, with it, which was as an add-on to it was like an esports tournament that happened down in Daytona. So, yeah, I, that's it's interesting that WWE is kind of like desperately counter-programming AEW on that level. To me, that tells me that WWE is really concerned and trying to aggressively counter-program AEW. And that's interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm with Nate that the promoting of this is horrible very last minute no hype up to it which makes it very obvious that they're just trying to copy aew and because they're doing something we have to do something kind of thing it's like somebody told vince like last week oh yeah uh aew's got that fighter fest thing going on for the next two weeks oh pal then we've got to be able to do our own thing it reminds me of when uh, marvel did secret wars and dc did uh, crisis on infinite earths uh, the only way the underdog wins in this case is to kill the Flash. <laughs> <laughs> who who ends up being the Flash in this uh, particular? Who do, this is an extracurricular question. No points awarded. Who do we think is the Flash in this uh, metaphor? Can it be Cameron Grimes? Because I want to kill Cameron Grimes. <laughs> I'm with Nate on Cameron Grimes. He's okay in the ring, but that is a type of character that is just meant to like put other people over. It's unwatchable. I cannot stand it. He's like, you know what? He's like Foghorn Leghorn in a wrestling form. I like Foghorn Leghorn better. <laughs> Foghorn Leghorn is far more endearing than Cameron Grimes is. Cameron Grimes belongs in that gimmick battle royal from what? WrestleMania 17 way back when. <laughs> yeah, I think Montez Ford is probably the flash. Yeah, but let's kill Cameron Grimes. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> on board with that. I guess that's by what, the way. There's your there's your episode title. Yeah. Let's kill Cameron Grimes. <laughs> All right, Nate, you've got an opportunity to uh, sweep the category. A few weeks ago on Talk is Jericho, Aubrey Edwards, everyone's favorite AEW referee, revealed the story behind her ring name. What was it? I have been meaning to listen to this episode, but I just haven't. So uh, I'm going to say that it was a, I don't know, comic book reference. You are playing to an audience of one by saying it's a comic book reference, but I'm not going to give you the point for it. Damn. I am uh, going to turn it over to Justin. Justin, what is the uh, what is the story behind Aubrey Edwards' ring name? I'm I'm with Nate where I haven't seen this yet, uh, but I will throw out there it has to be a tribute to a family member. I'll give you a point for that because you are in the ballpark, and I will give Sean the opportunity to uh, try and take this question. What is the what is the story behind Aubrey Edwards' ring name? Uh, was her brother Edward eaten by one of the Aubrey plants from Little Shop of Horrors? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's good. That's good. Give him the points. Oh, I almost wish that was the correct answer. That's amazing. <laughs> Feed me. That would be horrible if that was the correct answer. <laughs> it would be horrible. <laughs> uh, no, her father's a name is Edward Aubert. 
Ah, okay. so she just uh, she Daniel Bryan that uh, her real name is Brittany, and she also didn't want to get confused with Britt Baker uh, going into the wrestling. Uh, it's a great interview, honestly. There's some great revelations about uh, her dance background and the refereeing school that she takes part in. Referees throughout the years, there's one or two throughout most generations that you're like, yep, I know that guy com- completely. Is Aubrey Edwards this generation like na- household name referee? Hands down. Yes, for sure. Uh, I mean, not only is it unique in that, you know, she's a female referee, but she's also she takes absolutely no shit. She's got amazing in-ring presence. She knows where to be and where not to be. And I I absolutely she is uh, she is the most recognizable referee, I think, in wrestling right now. Nate said it all. You know, you know, we know little Nate and uh, the uh, ancient Hebner brothers. That's that's kind of my my depth of knowledge when it comes to referees. So, yeah, yeah. Aubrey Edwards is for sure uh, the face of that occupation. By the way, she had she had changed her name on Twitter for a little bit to girl Hebner and it won my heart. <laughs> it, look, I, here's the thing, though. They actually used to put some effort into letting us know who the referee of each match was. You know, going back 15 years plus, they used to. I used to know every referee's name in 2002 because at least one point during the match, Michael Cole or JR, whoever was on the call, would mention, oh, it's Mike Yoda's the referee of this match, just, just casually throw it in there. They don't do that anymore. They do it if the referee specifically gets involved in something, if there's a controversial call. But for the most part, I know none of the referees' names. They don't even try to make mention of it. They just call them the referee. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, at the end of two rounds, Sean in the lead with eight points after that fantastic answer to the Aubrey Edwards question. And Nate and Justin, you guys are tied at four points apiece. We're moving on into our around the ring category and seeing as Nate has gotten to start the last two rounds. Justin, I'll let you start around the ring. Let's go. Going back to talk is Jericho. Le Champion revealed uh, in an episode earlier this week that a trio of names were considered for the Dark Order, the leader of the Dark Order before Brody Lee debuted. Which one of them is currently not a member of the AEW roster? Ooh, I saw a headline about this. I did not read all the way into it. Not a member of the AEW, AEW roster, is what you said, right? Yep. Uh, Eric Rowan. Ooh, good guess. Not correct, however. Nate, I'll throw it to you. Which member or which person who is not on the AEW roster was one of the names floated out there for the leader of the Dark Order? Um, Was it Marty Skrull? That is correct. Yeah. According to uh, the the interview was with Luther, who is currently in AEW, and he said he screen tested for the role, but that the Young Bucks had earmarked it for Scroll and then for Hardy. Where do we think this Colt Cabana thing is going with the Dark Order? I genuinely don't know. That's actually one of the more curious and interesting storylines on AEW at the current moment, because Colt Cabana is kind of a weird pairing with that crowd. If this leads to a darker or more serious Colt Cabana that I would actually be much like really interested to see how he takes that because for as long as I've seen him in the ring, he's kind of been a goofball. So this may be an opportunity to like do something a little bit more serious. And I'm kind of in for that. Yeah. I'm with Nate on this one. 
Cole Cabana doesn't make sense for that group. And that's where I struggle because if you go through with this and that is the revelation, will he be able to pull that off? The buildup is nice because of the unpredictability, but once the revelation's out there, if he's just too goofy to be taken serious, then it doesn't work. Yeah, I think it's just a fun angle to go after because of the unpredictability of it. I I, I understand what you're saying there. But, you know, maybe they they push him as a baby face so that they have someone to work the heels with later on down the line. I don't know. I think it's it's interesting that we had the Dark Order make such an impact when uh, Luke Harper there was uh, revealed. What the hell's his real name? Brody Lee. Brody Lee. Thank you. But then having Brody immediately lose a title match uh, and then being paired with with Colt Cabana, it's it's trying to find where any of these people belong on the card is, is becoming an interesting dynamic uh, aside from the story specifics. Brody Lee in a title match right off the bat was a bad idea because putting a title on him right away was a bad idea as well. So that was just horrible booking. Well, he didn't, he didn't have the title on him. He stole it from Moxley. So like, no, that's that's what I mean. If he would have beaten Moxley, it would have been bad in my opinion. And him losing a title match right off the bat is bad. So him being involved in that story should have happened. It should have yeah, started I, with something like what they're doing with Cole Cabana. That should have been how it started. I kind of agree with that because, like, I think he needs to work the mid card more than just like a, a couple of squash matches to get the concept of like the Dark Order and the Exalted One and kind of the couple of turns that they've taken with that to get that over. Yeah. Immediately throwing him into a match with Moxley didn't make sense. I think the uh, throwing cage into a title shot with Moxley makes a lot more sense. I don't know who's actually, I I legitimately don't know who's going to win that. I think cage might actually have a shot at that one. Yeah. You want to talk about squash matches too? Jesus Christ. Brian cage annihilated that poor kid. Oh Yeah. That, that, what is it? The drill claw that he does is like my favorite finisher in wrestling right now. Yeah. I see. And that works too, because if cage were to lose, then the angle could be, he's so pissed off of losing. Now he's going to take out the rest of the roster or Taz, you know, cries that it was cheap, whatever. It makes more sense where Brody Lee losing right off the back, it takes away a little bit of credibility from, you know, his leadership and his intimidation factor for the rest. You got to be so careful with that because that's exactly what they did with Lance Archer when they had him lose to Cody. Now he's just destroying people in the mid card. And if you've got, unless you're planning on taking cage and pairing him with Lance Archer, which would be a badass tag team. Uh, I don't know that 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 exactly works, but I think that Brian Cage is a is a very threatening and imposing figure to have near the top of the card. Can you imagine seeing those two big hosses go at each other? I think you could you could kind of revive what they were doing with Lance Archer and Davy Boy Smith in New Japan with the Killer Elite Squad. If you paired the two of them together, I think that would be a phenomenal match, though, if they went head to head. Agreed. I'm just dreaming about that matchup. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, that would, that's a knockdown drag out. That's uh, what? How does Big E put it? As some some big meaty men <laughs> slapping each other. All right, Nate, you got that first one, so we'll move on to the next question. We mentioned Tessa Blanchard earlier in conversations. He's one of the talents released from Impact Wrestling this week ahead of Slammiversary in a couple of weeks. What title is she vacating by being released? The Impact Championship. 
Yeah, that's correct. She was the Impact World Champion, the only female to uh, hold that title in uh, Impact Wrestling. Where, where do we all stand in intergender wrestling? I'm kind of a fan of it, but I also understand when people find it very unbelievable. I think it's weird and potentially problematic for long-term booking. And I think that, you know, they, between the pandemic and running up against Tessa Blanchard's end of contract, uh, Impact kind of figured out why. Like, what do you do now that the belt is on Tessa? You've got to have somebody kick her ass. And that just looks really bad. Like, there's really no way for the optics of that to, to end up looking good for the company and for the wrestler that ends up beating her, unless it's like, super matte technician and uh, you know you've got to be really really careful about the booking you can't just have somebody come in and be smashed over her um so it's uh, you know i i think that it's definitely complicated from a booking standpoint i was really curious to see where they were going to go this is maybe the most disappointing result of having the belt on tessa blanchard that she just has to forfeit it um yeah, I, I think that that's a big wasted opportunity. See, I think, Nate, you hit it on the head when you mentioned long term. I think it works when you're having maybe one segment of, oh, the girl beats the guy's ass and it's funny. Or if you want to put heat on the guy and the guy shuts the girl down. Okay. But for long term booking, it doesn't work. I think the only way it could work is if WWE did it and say they or at least if Impact had a money in the bank scenario where all the guy had to do was cover her after she was already beaten up by another girl then i think that's the only way that works for long-term booking no it doesn't work because it's not believable there's no way anyone would believe a company would let a guy go out there and, and wrestle and fight a girl it's even if the girl wanted to it's not believable for long-term booking at all yeah, we were kind of spoiled by Lucha Underground where they had the intergender wrestling, but they did it all in the context of this otherworldly sort of transcendent cast of characters. But when it comes to WWE or AEW where you're constantly trying to keep things grounded enough, the idea of having uh, a dude just wail on a woman is ugly and very, very hard to spin out of context See, I think somewhere in the company there's a sigh of relief that th this is the way it ended because now they don't need to do a segment where the guy beats up on her to win the title or whatever they were planning. Uh, I think it's a little bit of like – obviously it's a, it's a weird turn of events, but at least we don't need to worry about that. Interesting that though, Justin, that you mentioned, you know, if WWE had decided to do this because for a while before Charlotte had to take off for surgery – that's the rumor that I was hearing that they were prepping her to go after one of the main titles, a la Tessa Blanchard and Impact. So, you know, it could that have been an angle that WWE tried to rip off from another company? Maybe. But again, I think you run up against the long term implications of it. Yeah. Man, we roll our eyes when Charlotte, you know, gets a title match against another woman. Can you imagine how hard we'd be rolling our eyes if we were watching Charlotte versus Drew McIntyre? I don't think it would have worked. I don't think it, it would have worked. Not, would not have worked one bit. All right, Nate, you've got one more question in this uh, around the ring category, and it's a question Erica had actually left us from last week. Which popular indie promotion is reportedly going on indefinite hiatus due to the coronavirus pandemic and may be selling their library? Uh, is that Chikara? 
Ooh, that is not the answer I have here. But it is accurate. Yeah, however, Chikara is uh, is going under as we speak. Let's move this over to uh, Justin. Which popular indie promotion is uh, going on indefinite hiatus with this coronavirus pandemic? Isn't it Attack? Attack, you said? Yeah. Nope, that's not the question. That's not the answer I have here. Sean, you've got an opportunity to uh, get over even harder with your uh, with your lead. Which popular indie promotion is reportedly going on indefinite hiatus? Due to the coronavirus. Uh, that would be Evolve Wrestling. That's the correct answer. Damn it. I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. WWE. I, like I saw that too. Damn it. WWE and Evolve have uh, had a working relationship over the years. And there's reports WWE is in no- negotiations to buy their tape library. Do you guys think they'll be adding that to the network? Yeah. I, I think that that's probably a pretty safe bet. You know, uh, uh, there was enough crossover talent between NXT and Evolve that I think it would be valuable to have that library for WWE. It would make sense. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a logical turn of events with everything going on. And of course, coronavirus taking over the world right now and changing the way everything does things. So with them going on hiatus, that's probably the next best thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you have uh, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, um, You've had several NXT stars go across uh, the way to face top stars in Evolve. You know, I do feel bad. I got to see Evolve several times and they had some good solid workers who just stuck with that company and continued to tour. And, you know, those are the kind of folks who I think are the the real working class professional wrestlers and they're not going to necessarily have a home after all of this. And that's really a bummer. But uh, in terms of the tape library, yeah, I think it absolutely makes sense. All right, we're at the end of our third round and going into our final fall. Sean is in the lead with 11 points. Nate, you're coming in second right now with seven and Justin with four. Of course, the final fall is worth a full 10 points. So this is still anyone's game. Just to reiterate with the final fall, I will give you guys the question and then I will ask you guys to PM me your answer over Discord and uh, I will see who has the correct answer and tally up the points. Are y'all ready? Yeah. Let's do it. Ready. All right. Uh, For our final fall this week, I want to know what controversial yet talented independent wrestler who has worked for New Japan, Ring of Honor, TNA, WWE, All Japan, MJW, and PWG tweeted out this week that he chooses not to be ignorant and not ruled by fear and uh, has decided he will not be practicing social distancing and not wearing a mask when he is out there. Uh, You guys PM me the name of who this uh, holder of bad opinions on a full-time basis seems to be. And uh, while you're doing that, I want to send a shout-out to my favorite alien, Chris Statlander. It's very, very sad to not see you on my TV every week on AEW. I understand that uh, Chris Statlander has a high-grade tear in her ACL. She's going to be out of action for several months, so I hope uh, she takes a little vacation to her home galaxy and uh, heals up and comes back to us very, very soon. All right, I got Justin's answer here. I got Shawnee's answer here, and I have Nate's answer here. Shawnee, I'll start with your answer. Uh, You said Teddy Hart, which unfortunately is not correct. Justin? You said it sounds like the kind of thing Ryback would say. It does. 
It does, but it is not. The only person to get this one right is Nate. It was low-key. And I had to remember the name that he wrestles under now because I could only remember him by his WWE name, which was Caval, which, oh, God, what is his name? Uh, Mr. Perfect's kid. Oh, Curtis uh, Axel? Curtis Axel. Cut maybe the worst promo on him in the one of the early seasons of NXT and like made fun <laughs> of his wetsuit. It is hysterical. Yeah, I don't know what more needs to be said about Loki. Uh, it's it's a really stupid tweet. It, it's hard to... The fact that he has worked everywhere for very short amounts of time, I think, tells you everything you need to know about him as a person. Nobody can put up with him for very long, uh, which is too bad because I remember seeing him in TNA and thinking, God, that guy's got a look and he is talented. But... Uh, yeah, so there we are. Nate, you got that one right, which gives you the full 10 points. Woo! Coming from behind uh, with the final scores of Nate with 18 points, Sean with 11, and Justin with four. Nate, six-time champion. You got 60 seconds on the clock. Talk to the people. Uh, well, I just want to thank Low Key for that uh, victory, a.k.a. Caval, uh, who I think was also the uh, motion capture artist for uh, the early run of the WWE 2K games, or at least provided a lot of the very early ca motion capture uh, that is, has been carried over into the WWE 2K games. So every time you play a 2K game and you're like, why does that moonsault look so perfect? It's because Loki's dumbass was doing it. All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Nate Bender. Shawnee, you came so close this week. You you had it, the victory snatched out from under you. 60 seconds on the clock. Talk to the peeps. Yeah, and I'm specifically disappointed because I thought that based on your description of this guy being a scumbag, that Teddy Hart had a really good chance of being the correct answer. But uh, he may actually be in jail right now and unable to tweet. I don't even know. I damn near said AJ Styles myself, so. <laughs> you know justin you and i are gonna have to figure something out because this unending reign of nate over here is starting to wear on me and uh i don't think i like it one bit i really don't have a whole lot to say today sir this is a, a tough defeat it's a disappointing defeat and i'm gonna have to just dig down deep and go back to square one i guess I think you have nothing to be ashamed of, Shawnee. You put forth a great effort today. Thanks, buddy. All right, Justin, you get the final word on this uh, final fall. A very bad showing for you, but you know what? We had a good time today, so here's 60 seconds on the clock. Talk to the people. I wouldn't call it bad showing. I wasn't asked too many questions. It was just that Nate and Shawnee got questions right before me. So I'm not too disappointed, but I'm with Shawnee. We need to end this with Nate. Um, I want to throw out there, too, probably an unpopular opinion. I don't think The Undertaker is done. He had a whole celebration, the, uh, uh, the announcement of the, of the documentary and so on. I don't think he's done. I don't think his last match is going to just be called his last match a few months after. We're going to know when it's his last match going in. It might be just a squash to make him look good and one last hurrah on his way out. My worry is that King Corbin seemed to be on his ass pretty hard on SmackDown, more than just to set up a match with Jeff Hardy. That looked like he was setting up something potentially for SummerSlam. I don't know if that's the right spot for it, but I'm almost positive Taker's not done. Nobody wants Undertaker versus King Corbin. No. 
he was, he was on them pretty hard. I mean, he, he was four, three different promos on them. I don't think that was just a setup that matched with Jeff Hardy. All right. Well, it's been another uh, fine episode of the One Fall Show. Nate, where can people find you online? You can follow me at Nate Benderama. Shawnee, how about you? You can find me on the Talk Horror to Me a horror movie podcast. We go on some deep dives on some different horror titles. And you can find me on Instagram at Shawnee.constant. Mr. Justin Valentine, where can people find you online? Follow me on Twitter at JV underscore sports underscore talk or JV sports talk.com. And of course, I'm your host, Chuck Bean, who you can find Monday through Saturdays from 7 to midnight on 101 The Riff, as well as part of the Talk Horror to Me podcast with Sean Con- Shawnee Constant and the Nerd Radio podcast. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you, Justin Valentine, Nate Bender, and Shawnee Constant for uh, talking about wrestling with us for another week. We will talk to you next week. Until then, this show has been scheduled for one fall. Did you guys happen to catch the uh, the, the the end of uh, NXT this week? The triple threat? Yes. Yes. What a match. It was great. Yeah. That was, holy shit. That was the best match that I caught on television this week. Yeah, like it wasn't, it was about 15 minutes, so it wasn't too long. And uh, fucking Finn Balor and Johnny Gargano making Keith Lee look like a million bucks. My only complaint is that they redid the Keith Lee coming up from out of frame, out of nowhere spot in the corner. They did it again. You don't need to, that's not a spot that (laughs) should repeat. You, You have the footage of it happening once and it was perfect. Don't ever try to do it again. Yeah, right. they they saw it turn into a meme and they had to overdo it. But the match was yeah. awesome. And, oh, and I can't so wait for uh, Cole and Keith Lee. That's going to be fucking awesome. I think Keith Lee is ready for a main roster call up because I think that they could call him up. And he it, so much of his gimmick is just him as a person that I feel like unless Vince puts him under a mask or something stupid that they can't really fuck him up. So I, I, you know, the main roster needs some help just in general, the tag team division on SmackDown. I swear to God, if I have to watch another fucking four-way tag match on SmackDown, I'm going, (laughs) I'm going to cry. It is. I've seen this match 15 fucking times. Like I never need to see it ever again. And it's, it's bad. Every time it happens, it's bad. So like, get anybody else in there that can like take the spotlight off of the tag division for a moment. So you can build them up and talk about, you know, we had this COVID outbreak. And so what, what is their decision on that whole thing? They put a, a two or three people in the crowd wearing masks and then all of your tag team division in the ring at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>